following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your festive hog father upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? I'm not too bad in a, a cheery festive mood this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's the last days of thunder before Christmas 2020. Um, it's weird. It feels like the year has both flown by and taken at least three years as well at the same time. Oh, it's um, ab- absolutely taken years off my life. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough one, folks. But I think it's it's good to take that time to take a breath and say, look, we've made it here. And by made it here, I mean, of course, we've made it through some very bad thunders. Nothing else has been going on in the world. <laughs> From a purely WCW perspective. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say a tough year on a lot of fronts. <laughs> <laughs> How are the... I was just going to Go say, ahead. it may as well have been 1998 all over again. <laughs> all right. Um, we, so we're recording this, you know, peek behind the curtain on the 14th of December. Um, you know, just over ten days out from Christmas, Lee. How are how are the preparations going in your neck of the woods? Uh, on a, on a scale of one to ten, how prepared are you? I want to say nine. Like, oh, pretty, pretty, look at you. pretty much all set. Yeah, it's you know it's all calm and just waiting for it to get here now. Has have you found the uh, the the pandemic has it significantly altered your usual plans on Christmas or were you always kind of the the stay at home family? Oh well, normally people come to us anyway, so it's... oh, you, you see, you have it set up well then. Oh oh yeah, like when um myself and my lovely wife moved in together, we said right one year we're going to my parents, the following year we went to her parents, and then after that was like right, you're coming to us, and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like um, for a lot of couples, either depending on which milestone you want to go by, either when they move in together or mm-hmm. when they get married, it's kind of they do that. They do the one year you tour over this parent's house, the next year you go to this one. And then after that, it's either you should be lucky if you see us or you're coming <laughs> to us. <laughs> that That's basically it, yeah. Mm. Um, but no, this, this year we, we just have um, my parents and Jen's mom coming down. And that that's what it usually is anyway, so... Again, where I think that's fairly legal three households. Yeah, I think I think that is it, isn't it? Uh, so. At the moment where we are, um, but uh, what was I going to say there? Um, I'm, I'm, what about you, yourself? Are you prepared? So I'm at about um, we'll say like a seven and a half or eight. 
Um, I probably would have been done by now, but as I kind of probably documented on Twitter and definitely documented to you, uh, it's been a really busy couple of weeks for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I've been delivering a lot of training because I think, so one of the things I, I as part of my job, I go out and deliver talks in schools. And um, you're, you're that guy. Yeah, I'm one. I'm one of those guys. Yeah, thankfully I'm one of the fun ones and not one of the ones that goes. They all say that. Dr- it out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they probably all do. Um, but I I tend to try and keep the the lecturing uh to a low and just try to make it more activity based. It's better when I'm in the room, but I've been trying to do it over Zoom and see how that works. But uh, I meant to ask for your school visits. Have you got like a cardigan with leather patches on the elbows? No, I don't. Uh, my when I used to teach in schools a couple of years before, though, my my uniform was the kind of um, uh, because you'd have to wear like the slacks and shirt and a tie, but I would wear a hoodie over it. <laughs> so it was the kind of like cool uncle vibes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that it's been hectic because I've been doing a bunch of that. Because what happens is after the exams a bunch of schools who had been kind of contacting me and wanting something to be done realised after the exams oh god we've got like three weeks to kill now before the end we'll get them in now instead of waiting until the new year so and you never want to say no when they want you in so it's been wall to wall that and then uh, did a job interview for a promotion last week which I got congratulations Um, thank you very much Uh, so now that all that has settled down I actually got my contract in the post today uh, for that which will be starting in the new year so um, when when do you start in the pc uh, yeah i know yeah <laughs> well i have to wait till i get my property of the performance center gray t-shirt and then you know i'm looking forward to both being called up to the main roster and then being sent back down to the main roster because i don't know how to work apparently um <laughs> well that, that'll but, be you and uh along with who was this keith lee Keith Lee got sent down. Uh, I think it was like all the all the absolute units on the roster by the looks of it, with the exception of like, I don't think Braun got sent down, but a few of the kind of like, uh, I know AJ Styles' bodyguard guy got sent down. Uh, Dio Madden got sent back. Uh, there's a there's a handful of them I read during the week. Basically, um, retri- Retribution is dead again. Yeah. <laughs> was it ever alive, really? Yeah. Um, Schrodinger's faction. Um. <laughs> But yeah, in terms of my Christmas prep, like, uh, so given the fact that the last two weeks have been fairly chock a block, I've done, I've done pretty well. Um, I have like a handful of presents left to get that I'll be getting tomorrow. So probably by the time, uh, this show gets posted, I'll have done everything. It's just whether I'll have wrapped everything. Well, um, I mean, you can save yourself one present, and you can say to Alan now, "This is his Christmas present." Yeah, get getting mentioned on days of the yeah, exactly. That's it. There you go. Happy Christmas, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, in terms of what I do for my Christmas day, so like COVID would have significantly impacted that. Now I'll still be, so I would go home to to my grandparents' Mm. house every Christmas because like the thing particularly this year is that like all my aunties aunties and uncles can't travel. Um, So it's kind of either me and my godmother go over or my grandparents are spending Christmas alone. So I'm not having that. So I've been really limiting my contacts so that Mm -hmm. I, I can go over to them. Um... So we'd be doing that and we always have the dinner over there and everything and we're one of those families where the dinner is like a multi-hour affair. Okay, where... so, so this was what I wanted to get into. Yeah. What, what's the Christmas dinner in Dale? Right, so the, th- the thing, my poor grandmother, uh, it's such a family of picky eaters and herself included in that. Now, I'm much better than I used to be. I used to be an incredibly picky eater, but now like... 
I eat most things. There are certain things I could, like if, if anybody tries to offer me a bowl of Brussels sprouts, I'll tell them where to go. Um, but like, so she, she has kind of had to try and figure out what to do. And like my, my auntie that comes over, my godmother, she's a vegetarian. So there's like a lot of different plates going on. Uh, she figured out, she cracked onto a couple of years ago that the best thing to do for a starter, even though it's not very Christmassy, is like an Indian food collection. So, you know, like onion badgies mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Okay. So uh, that that comes out for the starters, as do some duck spring rolls to appease my grandfather, who just like if it isn't meat or potatoes, he's not interested. Uh, yeah, tip, typical Irish, you know, grandfather. Yeah, this is like this is uh, an eighty-three-year-old man we're talking about, and he's like, uh, once he decides he does or doesn't like a food, he will not be changed. Uh, my grandmother has been sneaking garlic into things for many years and not telling him because <laughs> he decided he didn't like garlic, but he doesn't know what it tastes like. I was going to say he probably hasn't tried anything new since like nineteen seventy-eight. Oh no, I I would yeah, because that's probably around the time he stopped smoking. So like since the taste buds came back, he probably hasn't widened his palate at all. Red, red meat mash. Bit of gravy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and cabbage. He loves cabbage. Oh, of course. Um, but yeah, so the main course is then the usual, like the turkey with all the trimmings and the um the mash, the stuffing, um roast potatoes, all that good stuff. The auntie usually gets some sort of a vegetarian concoction. My granny kind of uh, keeps the grandfather out of the kitchen for the days building up to it by getting him to Google around uh, a bunch of recipes. Okay. Um. So she gets him to research it and then she makes it. Um, that, that's and then good, that's good teamwork yeah and so like the starters and main course usually happen pretty quick after one another mm. um, but then it's kind of like uh, a couple of hours of sitting around because we're so full around the kitchen table playing games uh, until we are capable of dessert and the, one of the, the things I love about going home at Christmas is that because uh, I think I've mentioned on the show before that I'm a diabetic and uh, my granny makes an entire diabetic apple tart so instead of just being able to have one small slice which would be the normal way to be careful with the blood sugar uh, I could have the whole thing and it would be fine I like what you um, said you can have the whole thing you absolutely do eat the whole thing yeah well not right then and there <laughs> not 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 right there then and there in one sitting oh, but i'll like couple, have a couple of days i'll have like a liberal say like a quarter to a third of the thing right then and there and then i might have another quarter uh when i get home that night mm-hmm. and then i might have the rest tomorrow the following Stevens day, day you know, yeah. on Stevens's day um but it's also great because then I don't have to rush my dessert because um, my grandmother threatens pain of death upon anybody that tries to take any of mine because there's usually a normal <laughs> apple tart beside it. Um, so the 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 kind of the, the two things that would be hugely interrupted uh, on my Christmas day is that normally uh, in between uh, the opening of presents and the having of the starters, I would uh, go with my grandfather over to make the token appearance at like one of my one of his sisters has a Christmas Day party every year where like my granda's brothers and sisters would come over and kind of distant cousins and things like that. Yeah, and very good. My mom used to be the one who would go over um with him, so I like to carry on that tradition with him. Um and my other responsibility there is to try and make sure he actually goes there for any amount of time because he's also a fella who doesn't like leaving his house. So he every year tries to get a personal best with how quick he can get in and out. <laughs> oh, he goes with the aim to get out. Oh, Lee, I've never seen a man like him. We went from, so like the first year I would have gone with him when he figured out that I would be kind of cheering him on to get out quicker. Um, 
he I think we were there for about an hour and every year since then he's been trying to shave off that time and I like I, I literally with him I start the timer on my phone when he rings the doorbell just to see if he can beat last year <laughs> and last year I can't remember the exact time but I know I walked in I said hello I got handed uh, I got handed like a can of Coke Zero and I didn't even get halfway through the can before he was saying goodbye oh jeez <laughs> And he even managed to fit in time for a sing song in there because he's a man like, again, my grandfather, he used to like he used to be in musicals and stuff like that growing up. So like any excuse to burst into song and the man has taken it. So he managed to fit in singing a quick song in front of the fireplace uh, in the time it took me to drink about half a can. <laughs> Do you know what? He, he sounds so like my father. Like my, yeah. my dad's obviously not that old yet, but yeah. that, that's very much my dad's kind of deal where it's like, right, show your face, get in, get out. Yeah, but I get to see everybody, and usually I get to my uh, my cousin's husband uh, is a big Leeds fan, so I usually get the annual burial of Leeds out of the way, um, and we head back. But we won't be able to do that this year because so many of those relatives are elderly. It's mm-hmm. like an absolute no no for yeah, that Jesus. to be happening. Um, and then the other thing that would happen is like once we'd had our dessert, um, a couple of my relatives would usually call over then after that, um, but that almost certainly won't be happening at least not while I'm there I was saying that like if anybody did want to call over in the evening I could tag out so there weren't too many people in the mm-hmm. house at once yeah Um, and that I usually have stayed over on Christmas Eve the night before but uh, I'm not going to do that this year um, yeah yeah but it, like it, it'll be like it'll be weird you know Um, I think it'll be weird for everybody you know varying degrees of weird but uh like the way I keep saying it to, to my grandmother who's very Christmassy and loves to make a big fuss over everything I just said to her look you know we, we get through Christmas 2020 so that we can have a normal one in 2021 exactly you know? um, thankfully you know touch wood no one in my family yet has gotten it um, except for friend of the show Alan who had us at the start of this whole thing but uh, <laughs> no one since Um. But uh, yeah, that's that's my Christmas anyway. So um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it as weird as it's gonna be, um, because it'll be the longest I've spent outside the house in <laughs> not eight, not in work. nine months. Yeah, literally, I don't think I've spent um, I, I don't think I've spent more than a few hours outside my house since I was at sixteen carat. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I know. I know. Um, before we start the show, uh, we have a little bit of correspondence, and I thought we could ask them, um, like a festive question of the Thunder Buddies this year. Um, and what I asked them was, who do they think on the WCW roster would make the best or worst guests around the Christmas dinner? So I think there's an awful lot of uh, the volatile personalities on that roster now. I think there's plenty to choose from either way. Um. So yeah, there, there, there's many different ways you can approach this, I guess. Yeah, so I'll go through the list here. And uh, at the end, I'll ask you maybe what your ones would be. Okay. Um, but our first uh, our first one here comes from Kieran Edits uh, on, on Twitter. And he, with a very early contender for best response, said, I think the answer to both, meaning best and worst, is Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? The stories would be great, but then it'd also get very tiring very, very quickly. And he's also liable to lose his clothes at some stage. 
Yeah, it, it it entirely depends on the time of day that you're having the dinner. Because I think the later in the day, the more risky run of Nate showing up rather than Rick. Um, like he's going to be, you know, dropping his blazer on the table and dropping an elbow on it. Uh, he's he's going to be like... Uh, yeah, but he, there's also, he could also, you know, put over your mashed potato. He could put, yeah. I mean, he could he he could definitely carry like a subpar roast potato to a four star dinner. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, the later on it gets in the evening, he's gonna be trying to put it like a Christmas hat around Space Mountain. Uh, it's just gonna get really, really uncomfortable. I think if he gets one of them mini measuring tapes and a Christmas cracker, oh, forget yeah. it. As uh, Steve McCullough then replied to that tweet, it'll all be fine. Uh, it'll all be fine until it's time for him to get out the Yule log. Truer words never spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Steve, he then follows up with a tweet saying, "You'd imagine the worst would be Madden." Mark Madden. So we've only seen him a little bit on the timeline so far. He's in the internet location mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, he's like, could you imagine watching that guy eat? <laughs> I mean, and not only that, the guy's a Liverpool fan. Yeah. Did you ever look at somebody that you've never met in real life and say that person chews very loud? Oh yeah, I can hear him chewing. Like just looking at him. Yeah, I imagine it's like a cement mixer. <laughs> Steve says, yeah, could you imagine watching that guy eat as well as having to listen to the shite he comes out with? Um, Yeah. Because, like, do you know the way they say, like, you know, don't talk uh, religion or politics around the dinner table? Mm Mm-hmm. And if I'm having that guy and, like, uh, him being uh, such a fucking loud mouth and going on about Liverpool as well, oh, no, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, he, he would not make it onto my guest list at all. Especially after the last year or two, he'd be insufferable. Um... Best, Steve says, Heenan. And I think that was a popular one oh, uh, that, amongst that, people. That's almost like a cheat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like play, uh, like uh, playing Messi on FIFA. It's like, <laughs> ah, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of implied. Um, but yeah, I, I would totally... Could you imagine having uh, a three-horse dinner with Bobby Heenan? Now, it might be a three-horse liquid dinner, but it'd still be a great experience, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And uh, uh, do you know what? Heenan will definitely be part of uh, a couple. I'm going to choose a couple of people for mine, but I'll get, let you get through the, the uh, responses first. Yeah, very late. That's it. Um, Andrew Sinclair says best DDP. And that's great. Um, I I think maybe kind of like with Flair, where the timing of when your Christmas dinner is important. I think with DDP, the longer Christmas dinner goes on, the worse it is. Um, you think because... the positivity will get a bit much? The positivity and the, you know, um, talking about how he brought Santa into the Christmas business and and things like that, I, I think mean, would he, be... A, he probably mentioned wanting to bang the turkey. Yeah, you got to take the turkey to Bangtown. Yeah, it's uh, more on that later. <laughs> um, Andrew says, uh, the worst, Disco Inferno or Steve McMichael. And I think definitely modern day Glenn Gilberti, like just based on his Twitter presence alone, would be a mind-numbing dinner guest at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, 90s disco, maybe not as bad. Um, I think by the time he gets to uh, Filthy Animals era disco, I'd be like, no, sorry, you're not coming over, mate. 2000s disco with a Q. Yeah. And Steve McMichael seems like uh, he would... Uh, do you know, you, do you know what? You, you'd, you'd want to put on a fucking good spread for Steve McMichael. 
I'd yeah. say that guy can put put some food away. Oh my god! I mean, you'd have to make a separate turkey for him, and one of those absolutely massive ones that would be tough to fit in a conventional oven-sized turkeys. I mean, you could just put on one of his matches. I mean, they're fucking turkeys all the time. Oi, here he is. I was going to say, would he do something like awkwardly bump through the Christmas table and, and ruin the whole dinner? Um, the, There's a high ceiling, low floor. Because I think, you know, in some ways, because, you know, he's a terrible wrestler and he would probably be absolutely lit by the time you got to dessert. <laughs> it could be really bad. But also, I think there's a guy with like a, a between... NFL and wrestling I think there's a guy who could have some very entertaining stories at a Christmas party some uh, Mike, Mike Ditka stories and yeah, yeah absolutely stories. Um, Dave uh, not me uh, Dave tweets in and says best it's probably sexist but I bet Judy Bagwell did a fabulous Christmas dinner and you know <laughs> like I, w- I wouldn't say it's sexist because there's like when you um, when you see Judy Bagwell's segments and see how um how much of a caring parent she is. I bet there's somebody that goes the absolute extra mile for Christmas and makes sure that like, do you know, if uh, if Marcus and other people around the dinner table have different preferences that like there's four or five different kinds of potatoes for them oh, and, oh, and things like that. Very much like she, she's the, uh, she's the woman that puts bacon through her uh, Brussels sprouts and yeah. um, like you say, different type, different kind of textures of mash. Yeah. She is somebody who absolutely starts the Christmas dinner prep on at the latest Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like that is the, the, the and the kitchen is also, I, I suspect in Judy's case, a no-go area for anybody else. No yeah. one is allowed to touch a single plate. Just, she will bring out whatever food you want. Just stay away. Yeah. Um, Mark uh, says, for better or worse, Raven is the look who finally joined us arrival. <laughs> The stroppy teenager. Yeah, yeah. Raven is absolutely, I think of like Kevin from Kevin and Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Dinner, he knows dinner starts at two, but he just shows up at like 2.40 just because. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He either storms in or he's like, you have to call him three times to come out of his bedroom because he's listening to Nirvana too loud. (laughs) (laughs) Playing Animal Crossing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got one last one from our friend of the show, Cody Sandusky, who said, best Heenan. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even if the gathering is a trash fire, Brain will certainly comment, uh, commiserate with zingers and one-liners aplenty. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, he won't help out with the Christmas dinner, will Heenan? Like, he'll stand around, he'll be burying whoever's making it or or whoever's passing dishes to him. Um, but you're going to have a memorable Christmas dinner with him. Mm-hmm. Um, worst, he said... Mongo or Madden? If we're going uh, wrestlers or personalities currently in the timeline, Mongo or maybe the flat pack sovereign himself, Prince Ikea. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I can get on board with that one. Ikea, I, I think, would be a horrible guest. I think particularly at the, we'll talk about his match now in a little while, but particularly at this point in the timeline, that guy is not in a good mood at the dinner table. <laughs> no. I mean, he's about to become a symbol. Yeah, he certainly is. Oh, Jesus. Anyway... Uh, Lee, before we start the show, we um, got. I, th- our... I thought I was going to give my. Uh... Oh yeah, of course, of course, yeah. The main event himself, <laughs> Lee. Run us through your best and worst guests. So we'll start with the worst. I think the worst. I'll, I'll give three guests. I think the worst possible guests you could have. I'm gonna say Scott Hall. Yeah. Oh God. Particularly in the current gimmick. 
Yeah, oh god, Jesus, imagine. Uh, Horus. And probably... Let me think about it. Who, who would be the third worst? Hmm. I'm going to say one of the Vianos, because you're only inviting one, so he'd be very fucking annoyed. Yeah, he would. And, and you know what? Like, the other Vianos would probably be, like, outside staring at Staring in, in the you. window. Yeah. Please, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the best, I, I, this is quite simple. I would have yeah. Bobby Heenan and his wife. Yeah. I would have Mike Tanay and his wife. Yeah. And Tony and Lois. And I would sit yeah. back and enjoy the evening. I think bringing Heenan and Tanay is a great combo to bring in of them just trying to pop each other. Oh, yeah. Like, they would just spend the whole day trying to get Shivani in trouble. Yeah. And that's it, yeah. Shivani would have to come in as the dad. Yeah. To try and tell them to cop on. Um, but, I, I like that a lot. But they're um, absolutely dropping Tony in as often as they can. While yeah. Lois just side-eyes him. <laughs> I think we're if we're talking in kayfabe probably the worst to bring would be Jericho uh, because that like that character is deliberately so annoying so he'd just be antagonizing people and then like he'd spend the whole kind of preamble for the dinner talking up about how he could put down the turkey by himself and then when it gets to the dinner he either runs away for it or he only has like maybe a slice or um, Ralphus is there yeah oh I'd love Ralphus <laughs> because hey how you doing uh, <laughs> Menacingly looking at the turkey while, you know, patting a fork in his hand. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I I also can't get around the idea. Of, like, how amazing would Eddie be at dinner? Oh, there's a guy who I bet was like the life and soul of a Christmas dinner. I mean, I I always go back to it. I fucking I love the story of when uh, Jericho first met Eddie. Yeah, and he's just like, um, you know, what what's your name? And Jericho says, uh, you know, it's a. Uh, uh, Lionheart and he says it in, in Spanish as well you know, not your fucking wrestling name your fucking <laughs> real name you're Mark and I'm just, I'm just like that's typical Eddie to me like just from all the yeah. stories I've heard yeah, I can imagine doing that at Christmas dinner like just burying people <laughs> I think it's also fair to say that a uh, current day Jericho would be a horrible <laughs> guest everything, at dinner uh, horrible everything <laughs> yeah I mean my god but in terms of like you think about like his his physical decline so he can't quite eat Christmas dinner the way he used to be uh, doing it and the outfit he'd probably arrive in at Christmas dinner would be an embarrassment to the family for years he would probably wear the outfit he wore in 1998 yeah Uh, if he comes up to Christmas dinner dressed the way that he does now um there'd definitely be a lecture from an older member of the family going you'd you'd kill your poor grandmother showing up in that (laughs) Are you proud of yourself? Yeah. <laughs> um, like worst. Oh my God! Could you imagine how? God bless the man himself. But could you imagine how dull uh, a Dean Malenko uh, Christmas toast would be? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> He'd do a very functional job eating the dinner, but then when it's time to get on the stick and and thank everybody for cooking and uh, do a toast, it's uh. It's and, fucking snooze central. And you know he'd be sitting there in his uh, his own t-shirt with yeah. just the eyes. So you've now got mm. two sets of eyes just looking at you. Yeah. Uh, a, a real mixed bag uh, for <laughs> dinner as well, I think, would be Canyon. Um, Because, you know, he's such a move innovator that if you have him in charge of Christmas dinner, he's probably coming out with some sort of like Japanese fusion Christmas dinner. 
I like he do like baked swan or something. Yeah, or like a, <laughs> like a teriyaki turkey or like just something fucking mad. Like one of these kind of uh, what's your man's name? The chef that does all the weird shit. Oh, Heston Blumenthal. Blumenthal. Yeah, yeah, that like he's gonna fucking like freeze dry this or that or yeah, use liquid nitrogen to make the dessert and yeah. Um, but there'd be good crack to be had. That's for sure. Yeah, you might not eat it, but you'd enjoy being there. Yeah, if he shows up in the DDP get up as well, you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> If, like, someone around the dinner table, you know, because as is always the case with if you have a big family get-together, when somebody starts spouting something that's a little bit racist, he just drops them with a canyon core. That'd be good stuff. Actually, do you know what? Just thinking of it, the, the Jersey triad. There would be our trio to bring. Oh, my God. You want to talk about, like you were saying about you need to put on a good spread for um for Mongo. Imagine the spread you'd have to put on for Bam Bam. I tell you, you'd want to spend a good bit of money on that one. Oh my god, the beast at the feast. Oh. <laughs> Fucking Vince McMahon over there with his puns. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, right, okay, with that out of the way, um, let's get to our beers of thunder. Uh, what uh, libations do you have there for, for this week's episode, my friend? Well, after weeks of hearing you talk about these magical, absolutely amazing Jemison ginger and limes. Yeah, son. I've got a pair of them here. Oh. Well, I have one left. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty oh, good, am I right? Oh, they're so nice. Like, just a big fistful of ice, pour the canyon, yeah. and uh, it, I, I can drink like, these on me. Yeah, I think I said the first week I had one on the show, it's like, I'm not the pre-made cocktail in a can guy ever. No. But this is like the one exception I've ever made. Mm-hmm. It goes down so smooth. Like, it's one of those, it's dangerous. Like, you wouldn't know that there's alcohol in it. Um, I have one myself as well, knowing that that's what you were going to have. It's it's literally just the perfect amount of ginger, and yeah, it's like if it was any more either way, it would be too much. It reminds me of the, and it's somewhere we absolutely need to. We mentioned it on the show. It's somewhere we absolutely need to go when the gang can get back together next year. The Bow Street uh, Guinness, or not Guinness, uh, Jemison Distillery mm-hmm. in Dublin, and at the end of the tour. You get a you get a voucher as part of your ticket, and you can either um, you can either have a, like a Jemison neat. Uh, I think there's a Jemison and cola, or you can have a fresh made at the source Jemison ginger and lime. And it's oh my god, it's so good. And yeah, I'm a guy who I don't like too much ginger in my ginger and lime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is as you said, the perfect balance. I like it to have that little sharp kick of a lime. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's perfect. I'm I'm a big um, proponent of lime and in, in whiskey and bourbons. Yeah, like I am. Um, so I tried those. I messaged you that I tried the glass box ones as well, mm-hmm. um, which is quite nice. But I, I thought it was a bit too fragrant of the ginger. The, the more you drank, the less I enjoyed it kind of ah, thing. OK, yeah. Whereas whereas these Jemison ones, I could drink uh, an unreasonable amount of it. And the fact that most of the time in either Tesco or Dunn's, it's like four for nine euro on them. Yeah. Danger. <laughs> <laughs> to quote George Hamilton, danger here. Oh, danger here indeed, my friend. So yeah, as I said, I've got a can of that as well, the Jemison Ginger and Lime, but also because, once again, it is a sweat box here in the Days of Thunder Towers, uh, I have also brought a lager so that I don't get, I don't just start sucking down Jemison for two hours. Um, And I have the Trouble Brewing Park Life Hellas Lager, um, which I will just try now. And I very professionally poured this before we went on. 
Oh, that's definitely a Dave Ryan recommends anyway. Oh, really? Um, and I think you would like it very much as well. I actually went when I got the uh, the Jemison ginger and uh, lime cans. I actually I had some red um, red ales in my hand. Oh yeah, and I was like, oh, and then like it was actually Jen that pointed them out to me. She's like, oh, isn't, aren't these things you were talking about? I was like, yep, put them back. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me, give me the whiskey. <laughs> yeah, damn straight. Well, as much as we love our red ales, when those Jemisons are on the line, mm-hmm. that's a, it's a different ball game. My and friend. like I say, that was the first time I came across them. So, yeah, I think they they don't seem to be in every supermarket. Like for a while, it was only. Um, my local super value I could find them in mm. but now they're in all three of my the supermarkets in my town which I'm very thankful for Um, I have heard as well there's great deals going on in uh, in Aldi and Little for Christmas for the, their range of mm-hmm. beers which are like way better than you would expect them to be usually yeah I, I heard um, Benno this week putting over Aldi beers a lot mm. yeah they are very good Um, and um, or, or as they call it Aldi yeah, I had heard as, as well that in a very dangerous offer, and I'm very thankful that this particular beverage doesn't tempt me. I think it's little where it's five bottles of wine for forty euro. Really? Yeah, I have it's not. Something, I have not been heard heard of that. And uh, you like wo- a glass of wine? Don't oh, you? I do like the last one. Um, it's, it's I work. I work. Few. I work next to a little. So, oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> well, hopefully for your sake, then it's Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> the habit <laughs> to go a bit further. I mean, we do have to get wine for a Christmas dinner, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll double check off the air where that offer is, and I'll uh, I'll let you know so that you can go and uh, descend per- peruse into the for Christmas. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, look, let's get into it. <clears throat> Our last thunder of the year. Oh my God, we are actually ending thunder uh, for 2020 at the perfect time because our first official show of 2021 is going to be halloween havoc which is class um oh, it's not oh. a seasonally appropriate show but it's a great um it's a very memorable show to kick off days of thunder for 2021 i'm, I'm just actually looking at the calendar and new year's day is friday so we will on new year's eve will we have an episode We'll have to see how our Christmas schedules are. So, mm. uh, so watch this space. We might do a thing where, <clears throat> depending on how it works out, maybe we'll do it a little bit after New Year's Day if people are kind of, you know, doing their family things and whatever and we can't get together. But yeah, Halloween Havoc will be out as close to the New Year as we can make it. I mean, what better way to ring in the New Year? There's no ball dropping in Times Square this year. There's no big parties. Or, well, there shouldn't yeah. be. <laughs> Thanks, Da. <laughs> Listen, he's allowed to do just at hold. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, what better way to ring in the, the end of 2020 than to listen to us talk about Hogan and Warrior. Yeah. And not the good oh, one. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm getting the New Year's fear just thinking about it. <laughs> New Year's fear. Um, this is Thunder episode 37, uh, October 22nd, 1998. Coming to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um... First, first, so, first time venue, I think, isn't it, for for us on Days of Thunder? Uh, it is, for sure, because I started thinking about whether I was going to do uh, a theme song that referenced Breaking Bad or the song Albuquerque, and that seems like something I definitely would have done before if we'd been here before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But um, it's the go-home show, as I said, for Halloween Havoc. Uh, and Thunder is here with us. The, antis- the anticipation is building, they say. And Hogan, I love this line. I think it was uh, Lee Marshall said, Hogan is wound tighter than a cheap watch. Um, and they're describing that Hogan went on a rampage Monday attacking his nephew Horace and the warrior as well. So we're seeing that this whole linking Horace to Hogan thing has really fucking sped up over a couple of weeks here. Um, I mean, look, if, kick- if Horace was my nephew, I'd attack him as well. <laughs> You're always saying that. Um, we get a flashback to kick off the show to Nitro, where it's Paige versus Jericho, which is a match. It's one of those rare matches where they showed it from Nitro. And I was like, oh, if that's not like 90 seconds long, I might go back and have a look at that. Because um, that's, a, that's a nice kind of uh, matchup of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ends as so many WCW matches do in a fuck finish where Goldberg interferes <clears throat> and he spears Jericho as he's going to lift him up for the jackhammer Paige loses it um, stops the jackhammer Diamond cutters Jericho and the two men have a pull apart um, that, that's your TV champion getting yeah plast, you know battered by uh, I suppose it's not too bad because they're the, you know the world champion and the number one contender so yeah and you know there's the thing with Goldberg and Jericho so it makes a bit of sense there but yeah in terms of him just being like an afterthought like because he's one of our favourites in WCW maybe we would have preferred to see somebody else in there but if you're going to be laid out by anybody as you said let it be the the world champion and the number one contender it's mm-hmm. not too bad Um, our opening contest pits Super Kahlo against the returning Rey Mysterio. God, it feels like a long time since we've seen Rey. He was he was out again for a little while, I believe. Yeah, it wasn't. He came back post Jericho feud. Yes, was back for a little bit, and then he was gone again. Yeah, so we haven't seen him since I think Knights of Nitro two. I think was the last time we saw him, okay. which was the night after he came back. Um. So yeah, it's been a little while. Um, and it's definitely been a long time since he's been on Thunder. I, I was just um, thinking you, you should insert the uh, the nick is a Nickelback. It's been a while. <laughs> oh the uh, <laughs> oh is it oh is it stained? Oh, is it stained? Is it it's stained? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. My friend Mark Robinson's least favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> Even more reason to put it in. Yeah, it's stained. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I was really happy just to see Ray, and I like Super Kalo as well. So this was a, a nice little matchup here. Uh, commentary puts over that we're going to have Sting versus Giant in what they're calling a pay per view quality main event, which made me laugh. Um, ha- hasn't that match, that actual match, been to go home main event on a previous Thunder? Yes, I believe so. They also had their, on a pay-per-view, they have actually had a match recently because you remember they had the singles match for the tag titles. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure they actually did Sting Giant on the go-home as well. I can't remember which pay-per-view because I don't care to check, but I'm almost Great seriously stuff. Did. Great stuff. A <laughs> hundred wrestlers in this company and within six months they're already <laughs> going back on themselves. I mean, look, how unimportant has the Giant been in, that, in this fucking run? Oh my god, like he has just, after he did his month of just being a smoker as his gimmick, he has just dropped off the face of the earth, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. He's literally just a, a lackey in the black and white. Yeah, like he's he's borderline B-team at this point. Oh, he was which is 100% crazy. B-team at this point. Yeah, which is crazy because he's like, you know, outside of your Hogan and the Outsiders and Savage at the start, he was right up there. Mm-hmm. I think, you know? well, wasn't it early in 98 where he actually agreed the contract with WWF? 
Oh yeah, he agreed that thing a good while out, didn't he? And I think Hogan knew it, which meant obviously Bischoff knew it. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's not shocking that he's been downplayed so much. Yeah, and I suppose in that respect, in the height of a war, why would you heat up the guy that's going to the other the other guy? Um, I suppose it makes a bit of sense, much as the Giant is the one who loses out there in his last few months of uh, WCW, but wins ultimately by jumping ship to the right company. So yeah, I thought this was going to end up being a bit of a squash here because Ray starts so strong. Mm. Um, but it did. We we did get a few minutes out of it. Um, Callow hits him uh, to kind of break up Ray's momentum. Callow hits him with a one of those kind of like almost Phoenix esque, but a, a lot more uncoordinated than Phoenix. A double springboard drop kick, which was really cool looking. I thought. Yeah, it looked really great. Um, we should mention that uh, Ray returned on Nitro. And yeah. he drew with the Cruiserweight Champion Gibbon. So right yeah. out the gate, like they're re-establishing Ray as like the man in, in the Cruiserweight division. Yeah, and rightfully so. Do you know, as soon as you have mm-hmm. that guy back, he's got to be up there with the contenders. And I think, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, I think they do a really good job to kind of put some heat in the Cruiserweight division mm-hmm. uh, with the, the angle that ends this. Um, Ray gets knocked to the outside and Callow follows him with the uh, the Guerrero-esque slingshot senton, but to outside to the floor, which oh, looked, looked like it sucked. It looked great though, didn't it? Oh, it looked great, but it also looked like he broke his arse and squished Ray in the same move. So, you know, it probably sucked for them, but it looked cool. I have to, and I have to commend the uh, camera work because the camera was like almost lying flat on the ground next to uh, Ray. Yeah, that fucker got down real quick. So, you like, do you remember WWF or WWE did for a while, like on Superstars, where um, like if somebody had a top rope finish, they'd have the cameraman lie in the ring. Yeah. Like it looked exactly like that. Very cool. Yeah. Where it just looked epic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, yeah, the, it was a really fun back and forth match, I thought. Uh, the finish comes with a top rope hurricanrana that um, Callow jumps a little awkwardly on, like a, like maybe a quarter second later than I would have expected. And the way he rotated in the air, I thought he was going to get spiked, but thankfully he yeah, didn't. He kind of just about barely rolled through it. Yeah. Um, you should say Ray caught him. He went for that double jump. Missile dropkick again, and Ray caught him on the ropes, and that's how he set him up for the the Rana. So, even in a short little match like this, a nice bit of storytelling. Yeah, for sure. Uh, after the match, the LWO are out now, and they try to recruit Ray. Uh, Eddie says the LWO is for all Latinos. Uh, Ray has earned his respect, so he should join them. Um, they aren't going to let Bischoff run all over them. Uh, depressingly, as this is happening, you can see Chavo and Pepe creeping up here on the ramp, and I was just like, "Oh fuck's sake! Why cannot th- why can this not be over?" Uh, Ray turns them down, though, becomes, uh, as the commentators point out, the first man to reject the LWO, as he says, "It's time he runs on his own." And you know what? I think you you said it perfectly there. This is a great way to heat up the uh, the cruiserweight division. Like if you yeah. have Ray and Kidman too fucking stellar baby faces yeah and they have this gauntlet of heels now to face off with in the LWO I mean this should have been like I know we say it all the time but this should have been like such a an easy story to tell over the next what six nine months yeah the cruiserweight division much as kind of we enjoy we really enjoyed Kidman's win has been still quite under the radar mm-hmm. and they do this segment and a segment later on that puts a lot more interest in it than has been in the division for the month or so since Kidman won. 
So I, I was really happy with how the Cruiserweights came off on this show. And I, I liked when Ray said, you know, he turned down the NWO or the LWO um, and the parka instantly goes goes for him. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone has to hold him back, including Eddie. He's just like, no, no, let him be, let him be. Laparka is fabulous in this because there's that moment and then there's while Eddie's speaking, Laparka is in his ear. Oh yeah, he, he's talking to him as he's talking in the mic and I'm like, I'm yeah. thinking to myself, how is he not, you know, repeating what Laparka is saying? Yeah. Um. Next segment, Tony is here with DDP who, uh, Brain points out, he could be the one to pull off the big one on Sunday. Now, I don't know if I want to go through this pl- promo blow by blow because I know you experienced this promo for yourself first. And I remember we hit a critical mass of page innuendo in a promo uh, on that TRL episode mm-hmm. uh, many, many moons ago. But I think we broke new ground here, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so I was watching the majority of this show with my son Connor so again I missed out on the you know, occasional bits of commentary and yeah. occasional bits of promos and stuff like that but the end of this this promo I mean look we know how ridiculous it is for DDP saying he wants to bang people yeah but I mean I don't think either of us expected for uh, DDP to ask Goldberg is it him that's going to bang town on Sunday <laughs> and that's right after saying that like so uh, yeah, I'll go through it so Paige is talking about you know that that pull apart that happened on Monday is that, that was pure raw intensity imagine what it's going to be like on Sunday with the world title on the line he says he has two words for the one way Goldberg can be beaten diamond cutter his, bu- uh, his buddy says to him that he lives the American dream but when you do you live on the edge of a lightning bolt and you ride it hard and you ride it long and before it hits the ground, you grab another lightning bolt and you ride that one too. He's jumping off that lightning bolt and he's jumping onto Goldberg. <laughs> and then he pauses and goes, whatever. Because I think the crowd starts to go, huh? Ah, they, ah. they, they kind of booed, I think, at that stage, didn't they? Yeah. And he says, whatever. Uh, who's next? Seems like it's me. Or is it you, Goldberg? Is it you who is going to bang town? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Lordy. look... There, there, there's not much he can say to that is there <laughs> like he's talking mm. about fucking riding lightning bolts and fucking I don't like it's it was a bad promo I mean it just I, was <laughs> yeah I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't have been surprised if he pulled the exact face that the booker pulled after the uh, indelible Hulk Hogan promo <laughs> where he just <laughs> says going to Bangtown immediately realise what he says and just puts his hands <laughs> over his face <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that oh God, like I mean, we've put over DDP a lot on this show. Yeah, but you know that that's that whole segment was you know unacceptable. Yeah, swinging a miss, Dallas. Maybe next time. Um, next up, Speak, we have Speaking of Wonder- swinging. Oh my God! Yes, we have uh, Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright versus the debuting on Thunder, uh, in our timeline, uh, Johnny Swinger, or as I wrote here, nineteen ninety eight leading Jay White impersonator Johnny Swinger. Um, <laughs> Definitely look like a pre switchblade shite beard Jay White coming out here. He, he did, yeah. I can see where you're going with that. But um, I mean, what more importantly, this is the star of Impact Wrestling. Yes, the swing. Are man. you are are you a big swing fan? Oh, big, big, big fan of the swing man. 
I mean, who who doesn't love somebody talking about going to work to Watts territory and how Gula <laughs> owns owes him money and um ah oh, just great stuff on Impact. <laughs> Uh, the Steiner brothers chat is what dominates the commentary during this match they really aren't fucked but uh, it's clear when you listen to the commentary throughout the show that they kind of have an agenda where you know every segment they need to be putting over one of the matches Mm -hmm. on the pay-per-view and as I think we've discussed before Lee when it's a go home show I think that's the one week in the month where talking over the match about an unrelated match is most excusable you know, I would still probably find a better balance than they do in some of these matches, but I, I think this is obviously the, the show in the, the pay-per-view cycle where you need to make the hard sell. Yeah, I mean, as we're going through the matches, we'll see there's no real important matches on this show. Like nothing. Oh, Jesus, no. Nothing that deserves like their full attention. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm fine with them kind of doing the hard sell on most of the matches. Like you said, it's kind of a match per a match are selling per every other match that's going on yeah. in the ring so it, it's fine Um, yeah they talk about Scott's motivation how he was just fed up carrying the load for the two brothers Um, Alex Wright has the heat for a lot of this I think this is we can we can firmly say now he's much more serious heel even though he's still mm-hmm. doing the dancing Um, like I know him and Disco together were more comedy heels that were getting a bit of a pop sometimes but this is firmly like he is proper working like a heel in the ring now in his singles matches um, but his heat is broken by uh, Swinger doing a, a Triple H face buster that he falls down after executing I mean look it's a difficult move to execute yes it certainly is to f- have the man feed into you and you jump up and go down on one knee without falling over listen I'm not, um, not going to run down the swing man on this show <laughs> blasphemy indeed exactly um, he goes for a diving nothing but Wright catches him with a drop kick and then hits his reverse neck breaker for the win do you know what I find weird they don't call it the rude awakening even though it's very obviously the rude awakening yeah just call it the rude awakening everyone knows what and it he's, is and he's in the company you know it's not like he's on the other channel still but what can you do? Um, flashback then to Nitro, uh, and that and we have Rick Steiner talking about how he's sick of Scott's boasting. He's still little Scotty Steiner to me. Uh, if he wants to take on anyone, he's right there. Scott asks if it'll be a fair fight, and it's great because as he's asking Rick, it will it be a fair fight. Rick says, "Hell no!" and, and just plucks fucking <laughs> swings and drops him. Um, Scott does the cowardly heel thing of trying to scarper out of the ring, but Rick just beats the hell out of him. I, 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 I tell you what, he I hits really it. Like fucking hell of a clothesline to end the segment yeah he takes Scotty Elvis boots uh, I love this feud man like I I, I, you know, I really hope this match delivers on uh, the yeah. pay-per-view yeah I hope so too fingers crossed uh, Saturday Night Tease we're going to have Saturn Finley and Disco with a Psychosis versus Jericho main event for the TV title so not too bad I tell you Jericho having an interesting week as we're about to see with his next match yeah indeed uh, back to Nitro again where Brett had called Sting out and they, ha- uh, they had a fight uh, Sting locked in the Scorpion I love this he locked in the Scorpion and the ref is asking him to break it and very calmly Stinger is just like no, no. <laughs> you better go get some help because I'm not breaking it yeah and they get a team of referees out and he's just still not breaking the hold um, they will now officially meet at Halloween Havoc um, so speaking of matches I really hope delivers because that that angle has been all over the place. I think um, it's an OTQ match as well at the pay-per-view. Oh. Um, or, or was that the Steiner's match? 
Well, we'll see because you're going to have to do your prediction game at the end of the show. So let's see where you put your money down on. Um, our next contest is Canyon with Raven versus Jericho. Uh, I like this uh, this bit before the bell where Canyon tries to do his shtick with who better than Canyon. But Jericho is behind him being a goof and holding up like bunny ears yeah. over him. Uh, then Jericho takes the mic off him and says the reason the fans say everyone is better is because they're raving Jericho-holics who worship the ground he walks on. Love, <laughs> and lo- love delusional is, heel Jericho. Yeah, and it's a little back and forth that is then referred to on commentary as a jerk contest. <laughs> I mean, look, that, again, it's 1998, so... Yeah. <laughs> um... So they spill outside brawling after the jerk contest and we go to break and we come back to uh, the setup and execution of a lion salt. Uh, <laughs> um, they're trying to describe Raven on ringside and uh, Tony says, um, Tony describes Raven as being stoic and Lee is incredibly uh, impressed by the use of stoic. <laughs> I mean, of all the words you would, wouldn't expect to use on a 1998 WCW broadcast, I mean, Stoic would be up there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Canyon tries some of his um, kind of innovative offense. He does the, the bottom rope suplex over mm-hmm. the apron, which is which is cool looking. Jericho hits a reverse suplex. Uh, Jericho attempts something that looks like a, like a, like, like a crossbody or something, isn't it? It's like it's like a crossbody, or it ends up looking like a bit of a diving sunset flip kind of mm. thing. And it, it they, I think in their heads it looked about twenty percent smoother than it is because they land in uh, Canyon catching him in a bridge. He, but... he catches almost like it's almost like Canyon catches him, and he yeah. he goes straight into uh, Northern Light Suplex. Yeah, but I think they did it kind of. They didn't. Um, do you know one of the things that I think of, um, I remember, much as I generally disagree with his critique of the wrestler in general, um, I remember Brian Alvarez would talk about Zack Sabre Jr. and say, like, Zack Sabre Jr. is a very impressive wrestler, but the problem he had with him at the time, I think this was around Cruiserweight Classic era, is that he would do, like, a hundred things so quickly and smoothly, and by not pronouncing and making stuff he was doing more obvious... Uh, the less educated fans didn't realize how impressive he was being, mm. uh, and that kind of is what this move was like to me. Is that they had an idea of what it was like in their head, but they didn't make it theatrical enough for people to understand that he was being caught in a bridge. Because what it ends up looking like to the casual observer is that they just fell on top of each other. Yeah, I I know exactly where you're coming from with that. They, yeah. That that's that's a very good uh, explanation of how it ends up looking. Uh, Jericho goes for the lion tamer but gets poked in the eye <laughs> your reminder that this is in fact a heel versus heel match uh, Canyon then attempts a superplex but gets shoved off at the second attempt uh, Dropkick takes out Canyon and the ref who get who got dragged into the way uh, Raven, in, Raven comes in attempts the even flow but Jericho reverses into the tamer and taps Raven out I love that spot I mean that's if you want to put it over that Raven is not the same person he can't even hit the even flow on Jericho. Yeah, that he's not the same focus. The problem I have with it, though, is Raven tapping out and this is a win for Jericho against Canyon. I don't think that's what happens. I think it ends up being like a DQ finish or whatever. It is not well explained. It's, it's not explained. We don't and, actually hear yeah. that somebody has won. And on Cage Match, I believe the official record states that uh, that Jericho beat Canyon. I'm assuming for outside interference? Uh, pfft. 
Here, I mean, to me, to me, they haven't ended the match with you know Raven tapping out. Yeah, look, I mean, you talk to Mick Lambros all the time, so you would know, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> um, listen, I, I am the uh, banished door of Thunder, so listen, my, what I say go. Continuity Malone strikes again. Uh, back to Nitro, and this is Horace reveal being revealed as Horace Hogan, not as Horace Boulder. Uh, Hogan explains how nephews work. I love this. It's the most rambling Hulk Hogan bullshit of all oh, time. I, I tell you what, I mean, I know they chopped the promo up. Oh, how fucking awful is Hogan? He's trying to ex- like everybody knows what a nephew is, mate. And about how his blood is my blood and blood, blood, blood. It just reminds me of you. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the the Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, where he's reading out of his own book, and it's just like blood, 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 and bits of sick. <laughs> I have not seen that, but it sounds funny. <laughs> you should watch that show, my friend. I think you would love it. Um, he said he'd give his nephew the shirt off his back, and that people don't understand what sacrifices he would make. And this is a sacrifice, and he beats the shite out of Horace. Um, <clears throat> I, in some ways, I like the idea of this. They really rush to it with the reveal of the nephew because this is just new information to us and we have no reason to care about their relationship or have any knowledge of like how close they are as nephew and an uncle. I mean, as I pointed out, he cares so much about him that for the last four months he's let him run around with Raven. Mm. In the flock. Exactly. It really seems I mean, like they had this idea but they had, they didn't have the time to if, organically If he had, had been an NWOB team member for the past four months, there'd be a little bit more investment there and kind of like, Jeez, he's actually beaten up like you know his own nephew. But yeah, I mean it's literally re- revealed what two weeks ago. Yeah, the idea of showing that like Hogan has gone so crazy and has gone to this place where he'll do anything to beat Warrior, so he beats up his own nephew to prove that he you know that he has no remorse or anything like that. It's a good idea in theory, but again, like we said, because there's no foundation there, we don't have a lot of history on screen between the two of them. I mean. Uh, the, uh, the audience have just learned this knowledge. Um, it just doesn't have the emotional weight that they probably thought it would have. I mean, all they really needed was the court case a few years earlier involving Nick to really know that Hogan has no remorse. Indeed. God laid some heavy shit on Horace in this segment, brother. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um. So Warrior uh, and a bat come out to make the save. Um, the, like, like a physical bat or the, the animal bat who knows he could have turned into a bat into a bat you know for all I know and all the magic he's been doing uh, I love that of all the NWO people to quote unquote sneak up on Warrior here they pick Giant the most lumbering and awkward of the lot he hits a headbutt to the back of the head and a choke slam do, do you know what all I can think now is uh, is <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ever watch Bugs Bunny cartoons? Oh, yes. And Elmer Food. Yeah. And he just turns to the camera and goes, Shh. <laughs> Be very quiet. And what was the one thing? And now all I can imagine is the Giants doing. Oh, my God. Giant as Elmer Food is a, is a cartoon waiting to happen. I'll be down with it. Oh, God. I have actually, in various pieces of media I've seen this week, I have seen Giant, a.k.a. Big Show, more times than usual uh, because I so I watched Were you watching on, the big show show? No, I watched them on Thunder and then for a film club I'm in we were doing a Christmas movie month and I watched Jingle All The Way completely forgot he's in Jingle All The Way. Um, oh, he's he's um he's the big lumbering Santa that gets involved in a, in a big fight. Oh, that's right, yes. And he ends up like uh 
punching a, a dwarf uh, who basically he hits him so hard he almost breaks the sound barrier how 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 fast he flies off the screen um but he's like he's there and to be fair it's like i can't remember what year jingle all the way comes out in but he's in great shape in it like he's looking pretty lean uh, and he's shirtless with just the santa suspenders jingle all the way had to be like i think that was was christmas 98 jingle all the way could have been so it, it was, was late poss- it was possi- mid to late 90s anyway for sure it was possibly recorded in like early 98 maybe mm. 97 but uh, there was that, and then there was I got in a, in a YouTube hole, and uh, I have my autoplay set up. Mm. So the next video that came on in the autoplay was from. Did you ever watch the Lip Sync Battle Show? Yes. And Olivia Munn is on an episode, and she does Bad Blood by Taylor Swift, and like one of the posse that is walking on stage with her as she's doing the musical number is inexplicably the Big Show. Why? I don't know. I'll send this video to you and it's never explained and he never speaks. <laughs> uh, like, oh, it's bizarre. Ex- Are you sure it was the big show? Lee, you don't mistake <laughs> other people for the big show. <laughs> I mean, whether he's in a song or dance number or he's vaping at the Hall of the Fa- Hall of Fame, that is a very recognisable human being. Uh, uh, I mean... I need to know why that happened. That's like one step short of you saying to me, are you sure that's the great Kali? I was like, who else are I going to fucking confuse him for? Robert De Niro. Like, <laughs> I mean, look, Bob does a, a very convincing job of when he takes on a character. I mean, in his old age, he probably, you know, he probably mutters in great Kali's. Who knows? Um, While selling Kia cars or whatever it yeah. was he sells. Um, so Warrior gets spray painted here and then gets a... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a segment going on here from Nitro. And then he gets a hat trick of leg drops from Hogan, who one of my favorite things uh, used sparingly in wrestling is the idea of doing commentary on yourself in a match. Uh, I love that clip on YouTube of Booker T doing commentary on his own match in, in TNA. TNA. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember Lawler used to do it in WWF when he yeah. was facing jobbers. It was great. Yeah, and like much as um the show got too sticky in the end and was uh and like they just leaned too hard into the comedy for a couple of moments. I really enjoyed uh when Kenny Omega did it in Dublin, but he went on way too uh, long. I actually i i watched that. I want to say about six or eight weeks ago with Connor, yeah. Yeah. and he was in nuts. Yeah, because there's a great bit where he he catches, I can't remember who it is, goes to kick him, but he catches their I boot. Leo Rush, isn't it? Yeah, he catches his hand and he's doing the hop that you know there's an Enziguri yeah. coming and Kenny's just like, ha I've got your foot, you can't possibly What, what are you possibly going to do now? And it's just, it, it must be about 30 seconds of, ah, I have you now. And it's like, oh, ah, ah, come back here. Ah, you fuck. <laughs> yeah. And it's if, great comedy, like it is. Yeah. If it hadn't been surrounded by about twenty five minutes of other shtick, and if the show hadn't been running about three hours over at that point, I think mm-hmm. it would be an iconic bit of comedy I've seen in a match. And we hadn't seen a four minute dance routine, yeah, before the oh, actual yeah. match began. That's the thing about that I used to love about independent wrestling is when comedy was used sparingly, but sometimes it would just be overblown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think particularly I've got remember the, I, I, I thought the two of us were going to pass out laughing at um, Trent Seven doing Vince McMahon 
on commentary oh. during a match where he did the bit, the Vince bit of changing the steps every couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. And at one point he was like, bring down the steel cage. And it was like, <laughs> this, yeah, this was in uh, the Tivoli Theatre, which is just a shitbox. There's no fucking steel cage anywhere. You couldn't even fit a steel cage in the fucking building. But still they did the lights bit and all the crowds are going. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Good stuff. Love wrestling. It's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, I remember wrestling was good. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't. It feels like a long, long time ago, mate. As, as I said the last time we talked about this, we actually were at wrestling shows together this year. That's weird, isn't it? Like two of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, the last thing I did before lockdown was go to one in Germany for three days. Yeah, like, I'm still glad I didn't go to that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great, to be honest. <laughs> But anyway, I mean, I mean, the three weeks of you all panicking about whether you had. Yeah, especially after after our good friend Benno actually got it. Yeah, and we were like, oh, we were all talking to him. Fuck. <laughs> um. Anyway, our next match, a hard left turn here, uh, is uh, Saturn versus Norman Smiley. I don't have a hell of a lot to say about this match, Lee. Um, I'm assuming this match got heavily cut for time because right at the start of the match, Saturn whispers something to Charles Robinson. I did notice that at all. Yeah, so he gets in the corner and he says something to him and Nate says, little Nate says something back to him. So I'm assuming something changed, either a finish or it got cut for time. Um, commentary do the hard sell of the pay-per-view during this. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a fairly smug, uh, or not smug, snug affair. Uh, I would like to see a longer version of this match with the two of them just stretching and stiffing each other. I was going to say, I think this could be like a, a good house show match. Yeah. But this would be if you got this on the upper mid card of a house show match you'd go away feeling like you'd gone to a good house show mm-hmm. I wouldn't say pay-per-view quality by any stretch but I don't think it's a it's a TV match like, it's no. just you know, do you know what now that you say you think it was rushed for time it makes yeah. sense yeah Smiley got a good bit of the match and that's something that I think um, is underrated about a lot of Saturn matches we've seen is that regardless of the opponent um, unless it's somebody where the whole job is for him to come out and squash them he gives his opponents a lot of the match but not so much that you ever think oh this Saturn guy isn't very good he give, he gives like the right amount of a match to make it so that he's beating somebody substantial mm-hmm. by the end of it and at the end he literally runs through all his offense and then hits the DVD yeah um, he hits his standing sidekick, couple of really good looking suplexes, as you said, hits the DVD, which they're now calling the DVD instead of the Death Valley mm-hmm. Driver, which is funny because we're just around the time of the advent of DVD. <laughs> um, so then, obviously, in reference to either the match being a rush or whatever the two of them talked about, uh, we get Saturn r- rustling Lil Nature's hair and actually smiling. And I think, is it Lee Marshall or is, might have been Tanae at this stage that says it's a, a terrifying sight to see Saturn smile. I know, yeah. Like, it's one of the... Because even when he was doing his goofy comedy because he was being punished in WWF, he did it straight-faced. So this might be mm-hmm. the first time I've ever seen Perry Saturn smile. Um, Next it, up... It, it doesn't, doesn't sit well with you at all. No. Uh, next up, we have uh, Riggs versus Lex Luger. The goatee is gone. I'm devastated. Yeah, what the heck? I oh, mean, I love so that soon. look. We only had it for like one or two episodes. I hate it. I hate that it's he, gone. He has kept the black boots though. Yes, he has. Um, this is your designated awkward stiff match for the nightly. These two were not on the same page. I mean, 
is Lex Luger ever on the same page as anyone? No, he's not even on the same at this book, at my this friend. point. Yeah. Uh, this is you want to talk about house show matches, mate. This is a house show match through and through. It's so basic, paid by numbers, very kind of kick punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riggs isn't doing much when he has the heat because Lex is so kind of awkward and cumbersome. Um, everything Tom, in this Tom match. We are just talking about Hogan and Warrior the entire time. Yeah, everything in this match is so pedestrian except for one spot that I have to point out and I don't know if it's something we've gone into depth on. Go Riggs on. hits an ungodly fantastic dropkick and I think we need to be talking about Scotty Riggs in the canon of great dropkicks. Yeah, I actually I, I saw you retweet it, um Riggs had a, a clip up of his own dropkick and he's kind yeah. of putting himself over. Yeah. And I have to say, it's a fucking damn good dropkick. It, it's like, I, I know it's going to sound hyperbolic if you haven't watched the Thunder and it's a bad Thunder, so don't watch it. So you're going to have to take my word on it. But I don't think it's wild to say that this and only this feature about him is Okada-esque. Like, the height he gets and the way he's able to extend his body. Like, it is the textbook dropkick. Listen, he he might be like that jobber Okata, but is he as good as Hardcore Holly? <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Is he Bob Holly levels? I'm trying to think who else hits a sweet drop. Orton has a AJ. sweet drop kick, doesn't AJ. he? AJ, of course. Um, obviously from the top rope, Booker has a great drop kick. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that I mean, one that I think we've talked about on the show as well, where um. Edge hits such a good looking one off the top rope against Angle that everyone bought it as a finish during their feud. Yes. Oh god, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um but like in terms of regularly hitting an incredible drop kick, it's such a weird Mount Rushmore to have Bob Holly, Scotty Riggs, and Kazuchiko Kata. <laughs> <laughs> I mean look, you can't deny it, you can't deny talent. No, it's incredible. And the fact that, yeah, I came up with that tweet because I was trying to find and see if a gif already existed of him doing the dropkick. And the first search result was his own tweet about it. And it was from a different match as well. So this wasn't like a once-off. He had a great-looking one. Mm -hmm. This was something... He was hitting this on the regular. And I don't know if it's just that, like, the matches he's been in were so on autopilot during that we haven't really noticed it to draw attention to it. But holy shit, I'll be watching out for this in a Riggs match going forward. I I must actually go back and watch because on the last... Pretty sure it's the last ECW pay per view. Yeah, it's uh, RVD versus Scotty Anton, mm. and I must see does he hit the drop kick? Surely, there's a man you want. Like you want to be hitting, got the bump that RVD could take off a drop kick like that, <laughs> just backwards onto the t- onto the crown of his head. Yeah. Um, Lex ultimately wins this match with the torture rack. No surprises there. Huge pop, though, for the he, torture rack. Yeah, big pop. I, people love that torture rack, man. Um, I suppose it always, especially because like, it's still Land of the Giants, and you know we take a lot away from Lex's uh, abilities in the ring because he's awful, especially at this stage and, and going forward. But because there's so many physically large wrestlers in this company, it is always impressive when he gets someone up for the rack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's such a... like it, I know the guy goes up with you, but for the the average punter in the stands, just the concept of being able to lift a guy, you know, that's like 6'4", 270, up over your head with ease and rack him, like, it's, it's in, it looks incredible. It's the whole John Cena AA thing. Like, every yeah. time he lifts the giant, it's just, or, you know, Big Show, it's just, 
you can't help but be amazed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, video package of the night, Bischoff lost his mind and got arrested when he's trying to kick the, the horseman and the owner of the building out. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have uh, Hoovy versus the flat pack sovereign himself, Prince Ikea. Who's, uh, who's now officially a heel, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's something that I had pointed out in my notes here is that he is absolutely working heel in this. No questions. Um, and I'll tell you, Hoovy is over like Rover in New Mexico. Oh, he, I'm so annoyed that Hoovy never, never got his just desserts. You know, around yeah. his time. He, you know. Now again, ultimately, he doesn't become the star he should have. Uh, partly no. because of himself, but at this oh, point, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like I, I think I said it on Twitter, like Hoovy at this point, like when I hear his music, yeah. it's just like, ah, oh, good. Here's Hoovy. Yeah. Whereas at the start of the year, like we were saying, like he was so inconsistent. Yeah. And sloppy, but like now he's just like, it's I'm just happy clicked, every time. It? Yeah, I'm happy every time he's on Thunder. Yeah. Um. So yeah, IKEA playing the role of mean guy in this match as he's just trying to get physical and slap down the guy who's trying to do all the cool moves. Um. It's weird though because like and this is just I'm so fascinated by what they're doing with Ikea at the moment and not necessarily in a good way because even though he's playing like the tough bully heel here I'm not buying any of it Lee. Like even when he's on top you're just getting the feeling that Hoovy is a far superior wrestler Mm -hmm. and every time he gets going he looks a cut above. Like when Ikea is on offense it looks like we're just biding time until Hoovy does his moves. And when Hoovy starts moving around, it's like, oh, he could finish him with any of these moves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no. I think we can categorically state at this point, Ikea just wasn't very good. Yeah. And, like, they, they've tried. He was. He's already been TV champion. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he's been Cruiserweight champion already yeah. as well at this point. Mm-hmm. God knows they're going to try again in 99. Yeah. Get ready for and that, not, guys. Nothing ever clicked. Yeah. Nothing stuck. And I don't think there's anyone else to blame but himself. No. Um, we have what I think is one of my favourite interference finishes on a Thunder to finish mm-hmm. this. So, I, was to see, I was waiting to see how you react to this. Yeah. Now, obviously, but, you know, my, my gimmick is to bury it because it involves disco. But I actually think as far as interference finish, because we're so used to just the fuck finish DQ, I actually kind of liked this by comparison. Um. So Hoovy sets up for the 450. Disco comes out to spoil things. He shoves Hoovy, who gets crotched on the ropes, but because he gets crotched on the ropes that he had been standing, he inadvertently does a split-legged moonsault onto Ikea and wins. So I love it because it uh, backfired on Disco and Hoovy still won. I love it because the whole gimmick now is Ikea is back from injury, but he must lose every match. Yep. and this time he, he lost to a man who had just been attacked <laughs> um, so yeah I really liked it uh, after the bell uh, Disco jumps Hoovy Kidman comes out to make the save and the four men brawl to end the segment so even more uh, intrigue being put on the cruiserweight division at the moment Lee what did you think of the match and the, the finish and the post-match angle I thought the match was a whole lot of nothing again because Ikea was on top for a lot of it yeah Um. I love the interference as well. Obviously, you know, my gimmick is, you know, Disco Defender, but I love, like you say, like, he can't even get the interference right to cost Hoovy the match. Yeah. And then the brawl, the brawl, like, it was a real fun little brawl. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I'm assuming they're setting up a triple threat match at the pay-per-view. Well, we'll see when it comes to the prediction game, mate. I'm not but, giving uh, any hints now. But, um, 
yeah, like uh, just a fun little segment overall. Like again, I could have done without the match, but like the Hoovy Disco and Kidman stuff, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Um. The commentary then throws to Monday as the mayor of Minneapolis, because we had talked about how it was going to be in Flair's backyard on Nitro uh, after Thunder last week. Um, so we see the mayor of Minneapolis in the ring introducing two of the Minnesota Vikings and Ric Flair to declare it Ric Flair Day. Uh, Bischoff comes out with a real sour puss on him. The mayor gets in his face. I will say, Lee, the mayor of Minneapolis, one hell of a promo. Oh, God, yeah. Like... What is it with these, like, you know, building owners and mayors that yeah. all of a sudden, like, they're the best promos in the roster? <laughs> yeah. She gets right in Bischoff's face and starts sassing him and saying that it's her town um, so that he can't remove her. Um, and then I love, so she gets in his face and then the, the two Minnesota Vikings, who, you're you're an NFL guy, I'm not really, do, do you know these guys? I have no idea. Okay. Um, so they square up to him and so do the police <laughs> baby yeah, face turn from the police and a police officer well I suppose police officer cut the promo on Bischoff saying you know try it go on like, mm. and he's just like right up in his face yeah the the police officer now presumably fake police officer not as good a promo as the mayor but says that yeah if Bischoff puts a finger on anyone he's going to jail then it cuts to Bischoff going backstage and the police are towing his car to pay his fines because the ma- the police officer had mentioned in the promo that he had uh, outstanding bench warrants for fines. So uh, they towed his car to, to levy against his fines and the segment ends with Bischoff pathetically chasing his car down the street. Yeah, Bischoff has been uh, having a, a bad bit of luck the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Now, I will say, this is the thing, right? So, we're not big fans of, we think the Horsemen should definitely be pushed more and in more prominent matches and roles uh, than they are being on the show. But, here's one thing I will say, Lee, is that Bischoff, a man who is known for a considerable ego, of course, um, over the last month, he has been uh, more than willing to make himself look like an absolute idiot. Um He's ended up with egg in his face quite a lot. And I think that's proper, you know, not quite the level of Vince McMahon who would get physically beaten up by Steve Austin every couple of weeks. But uh, it's definitely a damn sight better than the kind of the most modern equivalent when I think about like Stephanie McMahon who'd come mm-hmm. out, bury everybody, look like this, uh, make herself look like the smartest person in the room and never get comeuppance. Yeah. Um, like you say, the, the horseman stuff hasn't been perfect. But on the other hand, you can... You kind of have to give Bischoff credit that he is trying and he has made them look like they are making his life miserable at the moment. And And bear in mind as well, like himself and Ric Flair involved in a very real uh, amount of animus between the two men. That is true. You know what I mean? They're working together in spite of genuinely disliking each other and Bischoff attempting multiple times to basically put the man into a retirement home. Yeah, so... uh... Yeah, I mean, I I want to see it. Like, I want to see the horseman more. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, say it's been awful. Yeah. Uh, on an individual segment-to-segment basis, some of this stuff has been good. Yeah, I think that's the fairest way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have, I know, a match that you were super excited for, Lee, and that was Scott Armstrong versus Conan. <laughs> Do we have to talk about this? Like, uh, on, like listen, Conan is over like fuck, but... Yeah really like this match is just I have like four sentences and two of them are very short about this match um K-Dog again 
over like hell here in Albuquerque. Uh, he starts out really like you can tell this match isn't going very long with the pace Conan starts because no way if Conan was going long is he starting off running around the ring like this in 1998 yeah that's uh, fair <laughs> um, the scowls off Scott Armstrong when he's selling has a, have a very strong dad energy about it and I looked it up and he was about 37 years old at this time so that makes sense um <laughs> Hell he also a, he also looks a lot like his own father at this point. Yeah, fa- like a fairly good physique for thirty seven years old uh, at this stage. But uh, yeah, the face of a man about twice his age. This for sure. Um, maybe that's the secret to youth, Lee, because his face kind of looked the same for the next twenty twenty five years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So if you start off facially about sixty, you don't you don't seem to age that quickly. Yeah, I suppose. Look at Aaron. Exactly. Um. I love that somebody was pointing out, so something we haven't uh, talked about uh, since it happened was Sting showing up at AEW, which was an unbelievably great segment, um, and getting to hear Tony say, it's Sting, really like, <laughs> oh my God, I was smiling like an idiot, Lee. Um, but something somebody pointed out on Twitter afterwards is that Art Anderson is younger than Sting. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I know, the road alone, you mate, and I suppose face paint does a lot of work. Well, see, that's the other part. Yeah, like I think things. that was—I think it was actually a grapple um, spotlight that they mentioned it. Now that yeah, no, the the face paint definitely helps you feel a bit ageless. Yeah, but how how much better did AEW nail the Sting entrance than WWE? Oh, I mean, there's no comparison. Like, yeah. I mean, coming out at the end of a match, like literally nobody expected it. And then compare it to coming out at the end of fucking Survivor Series when Dolph, Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler of all people, is getting attempted to get reheated again. Yeah. Ah, oh, just you know, it fucking it's not even a fair comparison. It really isn't. Just the, the moment he comes out and the snow is there, mm-hmm. and it just I just had chills. Like it was incredible. Um, again, I don't want to see him wrestle, but. Um, I'm happy to have him and just to see him and Tony standing in the ring this week on Dynamite really warmed my heart as a WCW fan let let him be part like the fifth yeah. man in a fucking yeah. a blood and guts match or something yeah that's something that's like even for people who don't uh, aren't big into Dynamite I know the two of us are, are good fans of uh, mm-hmm. Dynamite most of the time like we'll you know we'll bury the stuff that needs to be buried but we're I'd say on the whole the two of us would be fans of the product but like even if it did nothing else good the fact that we're being provided with the like we're getting so many great segments with Tony Schiavone who fucking deserves it for so many years mm-hmm. um, that he's having these reunions with people and he's getting to call Sting coming out to the ring and he's getting to be in you could tell when Sting showed up that he was like genuinely emotional yeah which is just so nice um, yeah it's just great to see and also you know speaking of Tony I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't go beyond this and say uh, Tony's burial of uh, of Impact on their little segment with Tony oh, Khan. Oh, oh so <laughs> good. It, it's like, hey, hey, Tony, you, you, were, you, you did matches in TNA, didn't you? He goes, yeah, one night and then I quit the business for 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> what a straight face. <laughs> those little, because they've been doing those not just on Impact where it, uh, we talked about it on this show, didn't we? Uh, Tony mm-hmm. doing the, like, the, the old... Uh, the old style backstage plugging where the next shows are going to be and stuff like that with the fake background. 
he's been doing those for a little while now mm-hmm. and they're very good oh they're so good like it's a real throwback to like the territory like you know Jim Crocker promotions and stuff yeah we talked about the one that he did with Cody a couple of weeks ago that yeah. was very good and literally right as we uh, stopped the show they dropped one with Ricky Starks yeah. who is which is a megastar yeah that man is like he is gonna be a world champion and he's fucking gonna be a big big star He's one of those guys where if he isn't a multi-millionaire in this business by the time he retires, there is no justice in the world. No. Um. Anyway, back to a significantly worse affair than any of the things we've just talked about. Um. I hate Scott Armstrong's gear so much. I tell you what, if it gets any smaller around or the more, uh, groinal or more, area. Or more nude coloured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh disturbing and he's got that kind of like the short but very curly like the Justin Timberlake hair mm-hmm. it's a bad present the Armstrongs are not ones for the uh, the superstar presentation uh, the, the last while on the show I, I mean I was just about to skip over this but you just mentioned Justin Timberlake and Scott Armstrong in the same sentence I know right <laughs> you're welcome for the rub Armstrong <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this match is bad and it ends in like three minutes with a tequila sunrise. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Then we get uh, what I think is a fantastic hype video for Brett versus Stupid Sting at the pay-per-view. Um, oh, I, yeah, I love this packet. I thought this was great. Like, this actually has me invested in this match now. Yeah, it did a really good job of highlighting the stuff that worked in their feud so far mm-hmm. and uh, really papering over how kind of bland it has mostly actually been. And how dull that walking brawl was. Yeah. Um, then we get a horseman video as well. <clears throat> then we have Dean Malenko versus Kendall Wyndham's Funky Beats. Um, <laughs> one of those guys where the theme song does not match the human coming out. Um, and again, looks entirely... He looks now like... A really cheap Steve Austin imitator you get at a kid's birthday party. <laughs> Brit Resho. That's, that's yeah. exactly what he is. Oh, yeah. UK Steve Austin. American wrestling in your town. Yeah. 100%. Then Kendall Wyndham gets on the mic and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, he says, I know the horseman. Uh, Malenko does not measure up to what a horseman should be. He says as if he is what a horseman is meant to be. Uh, well, and he's I mean, Ke- Kendall, Kendall was horseman adjacent for yeah. a year or two in like 89, 90. D- disturbing, really. <laughs> I mean, um, look, he's no Paul Roma, so. No. He says he's going to show him what a horseman should be. And he shows Dean by getting plowed through in about 90 seconds with very little issue. Yeah, I tell you. And I love Milenko. He just grabs the mic afterwards and is like, yeah, that's the reason I'm a horseman. Yeah. Now, here, now here's the other horseman. And yeah. that's, like, that's it. He addresses Bischoff saying that their group defies authority and he calls the rest of them out. And I will say, you know, I'm judging the fits here on the horseman. And Mongo's combination of wide-armed strut and deep V-neck top are incredible. (laughs) It's a very 98 fit, that's all I'll say. Mongo is showing a lot of cleavage here. (laughs) And he has one of those we used to call anybody who's... You know the way... um, when you're in secondary school, Lee, and lads who are on a sports team or whatever, they discover the weight room for the first time mm-hmm. and they think they're 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 putting on mass and they end up getting this, you know the walk I'm talking about, yeah. 
where the arms are as wide as possible. Yeah. We used to call there was a there was a fella in our class who used to do that. We used to call him buckets because he used to look like he was carrying a pair buckets. of buckets yeah. with him because that's what the arms were extended and the fists were clenched and he walking up the halls like that trying to be as wide as possible, <laughs> trying to show off the delts or whatever. Many a person has uh, mistakenly got into a fight because of walking like that. Where I'm you from. do have a very serious walk on you, to be fair. I, I do. Yeah. Okay. But it's not a it's not a, like a buckets walk. But now that you you you've mentioned that there, <laughs> you have a. Da has heard someone break something in the next room. Walk. <laughs> I've never heard this before, but um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I've been told I have somewhere between a serial killer's walk if I'm going up a set of stairs because I make a lot of noise on the stairs. And I'm also told that when I'm just walking around out in public, I so I often look like I'm lost. <laughs> so it's quite a pair we must make walking around Germany when we're on holidays. <laughs> like, well, don't forget, we also had Lex Luger fan with us as well. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like, oh, look at those two. They know something's broken in the other room, but they got lost on the way there. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not quite sure where the other room is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just heard something break. Their da sense went off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, now I'm going to be thinking, that's because I'm walking somewhere, I'm going to be going, Jesus, I've got a serious walk. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, you know what it probably is? It's probably because either... It's a defense every, mechanism. <laughs> every time I, I've I've walked with you somewhere, we're either walking to or from somewhere that's going to have annoying wrestling fans. <laughs> so you're just miserable. <laughs> Sorry, I need to talk to my drink. <laughs> oh god. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the less said about Overhouse and the better. I know. Aaron <laughs> says Eric isn't here because he's afraid. Uh, he took exception to Eric talking about his family. He says if he ever does it again, he threatens that he's going to do things one human being shouldn't do to another in front of his family in his home. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. You don't that, mess that's with That's quite Aaron. the trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Flair said, uh, Flair basically tells the, uh, tells WCW that they're welcome for the house. Um, this is the joke has been on Bischoff this whole time. He opened the door for the horseman to come back in. Uh, it would seem that the party has just begun. And he says one day Eric is going to be working for him. So Foresh- not the best. Yeah, not the best flare promo or horseman promo we've seen in their comeback so far. Not a mm-hmm. patch on the return nitro. But, you know, the crowd got their, their glimpse of the horseman this week. So fair enough. Yeah, you can't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, and we got the, 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 the V-neck fit from Mongo. So there you are. Uh, our main event time, it's Giant versus Sting. It's an NWO derby. So guess how it ends. Uh, I would say on the creator wrestler mode, Giant's ha- chest hair is turned up to 10. Do, do you know what? You, what? Did, you forgot to mention. Go on. There's no buffer. Oh, no buffer. We've broken our buffer streak. Yes. So you were smiling ear to ear during this match then? This It's instantly the best main event in the history of Thunder. Yeah. And speaking of Thunder main events, would you believe Sting gets attacked while wearing his jacket to start this? <laughs> I knew you were going to mention that. My God, that man will never take off his jacket. 
Um, but he recovers and he hurls punches at the giant. Uh, he goes for the stinger splash, but he gets blocked and the giant stands on him, does his bit where he's kind of leveraging the ropes to put even more weight on him. Sting getting worked over pretty good. Uh, he goes for the classic giant spot. Whenever he goes for this running elbow off the ropes, you know what's going to happen. He misses, eats shit, um, stumbles into the corner, uh, stinger splash to the back, two to the front. He does the big body slam, which got a huge reaction from Albuquerque. He goes to lock in the scorpion death lock. Scott comes out in his uh, so tight, I'm, a, I'm surprised he was able to move jeans and absolutely batters him in the leg with a chair for the DQ. NWO hold him down and just beat the shit out of his leg. Uh, one thing I want to point out here is incredible 10 out of 10 Zubas on Stevie Ray. Yep, he looks great. It's like zebra print, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, got, they go with the gear. Yeah, absolutely. What a man. What a drip. It's, it's like, it's just, we, we've got to introduce a fashion category for the Thundies in January. I, I'm just saying that now. <laughs> I mean, is there any other contenders? I mean, the V-neck in the last segment is right up there. <laughs> <laughs> Recency bias. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rick Steiner comes out then with the bat, and I love this, he swings a home run into Scott's chair and then his head before the Wolfpack arrive to run off Hollywood, and that is us going off the air for Halloween Havoc. Lee, what did you think of the match? Uh, I'll show you. Yeah. It was nothing, wasn't it? I mean, we knew where it was going, we knew it was going to end in interference, so it's Mm. like, there was no point in even getting invested in it. Yeah. It was... uh, it was poor. I wouldn't say this is the worst episode of Thunder I've ever seen. But it was very much... Much as they moved a couple of things along, and I liked that, uh, it was not a very consequential bell-to-bell Thunder. No, I think I think we said it best like early in the show. Like This is not... There's no matches on this that have any importance at all. Yeah. And it's just that they are doing the hard sell throughout the show. Mm-hmm. So, um, look, it's not... It's not a good show, but it's not awful. Yeah. Um. What did you think? What, what were your winners and losers for the show? Uh, uh, I mean, losers is it has to be IKEA again because, mm-hmm. like, like we said, even with interference, the guy can't catch a break. Yeah. Um. Winners. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. It's a strange show. I mean... Maybe the Cruiserweights? Yeah, maybe the Cruiserweights version getting a bit of shine. But I mean, other than that, there's no real standard. Everybody is kind of at the same status, mostly. Yeah, it's kind of... It, yeah, that that's a good way of saying, like, it's kind of, everything seems a bit frozen in place at the moment. Yeah. It was kind of like they had run out of material one show before the pay-per-view, but still had to put something on. Yeah. Um... Our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borger. We had nine matches on this show inexplicably. Um, with uh, We had five clean finishes, two DQ count out, one interference leading directly to a finish and one non-finish. Um, so yeah, um, that was that. Like you said, a very kind of middle of the road affair. Um, not the worst thunder. It kind of, because the matches were kind of so short, even the bad ones, I, I felt it kind of flew by. I easily watched it in one sitting. And it feels like those are going to be few and far between going forward. So I'm thankful for that, at least. Well, the hope is that the bad stuff gets us through the 
the shows. For sure, my friend. Um, <laughs> because it's a pre-pay-per-view show, Lee, you know what's coming next. It's time for the Guess the Card game that we haven't come up with a, a better title for. So before every pay-per-view, I ask Lee to try and tell me every single match that is on the pay-per-view we're about to watch. See how good the build on Thunder has been. Lee, I'm just going to say this right now. I believe in you generally. As, as a dear friend of mine, as a knowledgeable man about the Graps, I have great belief in your knowledge base. However, in this instance, I wouldn't be putting my money on you because there are 12 matches on this no, show. Oh, there can't be. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. So I am right, going to get the card up. Oh, hold on now. I got to get this card up right here. Don't start trying to jump the gun. Um, because we need to do this as fairly as possible and I had forgotten I had turned the Wi-Fi off on my tablet so bear with me one moment here <laughs> technical difficulties edition of the show I mean typical professional um, preparation here yeah. on Days of Thunder it's been a while since I've had one of these okay the Wi-Fi is now working makes a change from yesterday indeed yeah we <laughs> recorded this a day late because my internet just decided you know what you've had enough for today no more internet for you sir yeah, I know. And then I wake up today and Google and Microsoft stuff has gone down. I was like, we're just never going to be able to record this show. It might yeah. be 2021 before it comes out. Okay, 12 matches on Halloween Havoc. And I'm just double checking to make sure none of them are dark matches. Nope. <laughs> Damn. So you've got 12 matches to name here, my friend. Okay, right. We'll go what we know starting off. Mm-hmm. DDP Goldberg, which is actually on the pay-per-view, no matter what people tell you. Yeah. It's also on Nitro the next night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Hogan Warrior. Yeah. I'm going to say as well, for people expecting it, we're not going to do a Knights of Nitro just to re-watch a match from the pay-per-view. We're no. going to watch Goldberg and DDP as part of the Halloween Havoc coverage of the show. <laughs> um, Hogan Warrior. Um, Hall versus Nash. Uh, yes. Steiner versus Steiner. Uh, no. Sorry. Nope. What? What? What do you mean no? <laughs> so both of these men are in a match, but it's not a singles match. But they're in the same match. Yes. Oh, sorry. No, they're. Sorry, my mistake. Both of them are in two matches, so you have got that match, but both oh of them are in God. another match as well. <laughs> so, just to recap, you've got Goldberg DDP, Hogan Warrior, Hall versus Nash, and uh, Rick versus Scott. Okay. So you've got four. Is it Scott and Bagwell? Versus no. Rick? No. Oh, God. Is it Rick and Bagwell? Yes. Versus Scott and Stevie? No. Some NWO black and white geek. Uh, Yes. Vincent? Nope. Will I put you out of your misery? Horace? Nope. Norton? Nope. Who's left giant? Yes. Do you want another bit of information? This match ends in a fucking 
non-finished because Bagwell turns on Rick? No, I've got two bits of information for you. It's longer than the singles match. It happens bef- It happens before the singles match. What? And it's for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. <laughs> How? <laughs> I can't How? wait to find out. No, like... It... Is Big... Are his fucking Giants still tag champion? Must be. I'm I'm actually I'm dumbfounded by this. I yeah, can't I was so dumbfounded when I when I saw it, Lee that I checked literally three times to make sure this was the 1998 card. Uh, I I don't know what to say though. Yeah, right. So you you got four, and I helped you along the way with the yeah, fifth one. There, there. There's no way I was getting that. So okay. Um, so the seven left. <laughs> You're gonna tell me Brett versus Sting is wrong as now as well, aren't you? No, no, you got that. So that's six. Okay. Um. Oh, uh, we're now firmly in the undercard because you've got you've got the last six matches okay there's one that they mentioned on Thunder happening yeah and this could be a match of the year contender yeah it's Meng versus Rat so yeah that's on the show seven <sighs> cruiserweight title triple threat match Disco Hoovy and Kidman I'll give you halfway there because it's not for the Cruiserweight title and it's not a triple threat but it's Disco versus Hoovy. Okay. So, we're at Do we, we get Kidman versus Ray? You got Kidman. Okay. So Kidman's defending the title. Um, Psychosis? Nope. Uh, I'll put it to you this way. Learning this match made me very unhappy about the pay-per-view. Oh, Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think who could be the war... Lodi? Nope. No, go on. Who was it? Kidman versus who? Disco again. No. So Disco, Rick and Scott all pulling double duty on this show. They have a roster <laughs> of 187 people. <laughs> yeah. And they have this going for, you know, wrestle toys on a pay-per-view. Yeah. That runs long. Uh, two of the longest matches on the show. Uh, definitely, They're definitely the two longest undercard matches that he's on. So this pay-per-view runs long. Yeah. Millions of people miss out. Well, hundreds of thousands of people miss out on seeing the main event. Yeah. And they had two Disco Inferno matches on the undercard. Uh-huh. Funnily enough, the two disco matches combined are twice as long as the the main event that everyone missed. Oh my god! <laughs> so you got three matches left. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't think you're going to get these. Are they singles matches or tag matches? Three singles matches. I okay. will give you a hint for the first one. The first one is for the TV title. Okay, so Jericho. <sighs> Think about Thunder this week. Jericho Raven? Yes. Okay. Um, that could be good, I suppose. Yeah. Now, I'm a bit more upbeat. Um, do we get an Eddie match? Eddie Guerrero? Nope. Of course we don't. No, but we have to get Disco twice, don't forget. Do we get Ray? No, we don't. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. Um, singles matches. Stevie Ray? Nope. 
Are they... <laughs> like, See, your problem people... is you're trying to think of people who are getting pushed and yeah. out, of, out of the four participants across these two singles matches you could really only say one of them is pushed okay the cat no God. Um, Finley yes of course uh, who would he have a boring match with everybody um there was a line on commentary in this show that might give it away if you want me to repeat the line go for it about how Alex Wright claims to be the best European wrestler there you go so it's Alex yeah <laughs> um, um, so fucking Jesus that'll be something uh, and your final match uh, who's who's getting a so is Alex Wright the one getting a semi push nope is Finley? Nope. It's the other singles match where there's okay. a, a relatively pushed act that we like. Okay, that we like. Okay, yeah. Saturn? Yes. Saturn versus Jerry Flynn? No. Hmm. Tense. Hmm. Is it a former flock member? Yes. Sick Boy? No. Riggs? Nope. The big one. Um, what's his name? <laughs> Ron Reese. No. No. Oh, balls. Uh, Canyon. No. God, they're fucking Lodi. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Put that on thunder. <laughs> and why is Saturn still involved with the flock? It's been months. <laughs> why is Saturn still involved with the flock when the flock broke up? No, like b- between Hogan and Warrior and fucking the pay per view cutting off early, and <laughs> I now know there's a tag title match for some fucking reason. And Disco Wrestling, like, I'm not watching this pay per view. Like, yeah, I now know there's a reason why I've never seen this pay per view. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to just to um just to get you all hyped for Hogan and Warrior. I just want to read some of the uh, <laughs> some of the uh, the reception to the match at the time. Wade Keller of Pro Wrestling Tort gave the bout his lowest dud rating, lamenting the poor in-ring action and lack of crowd response, and declared that Hogan and Warrior don't have it anymore. Thanks, Wade. That's real breaking fucking news there in 1998. Uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Wade, editor, Dave Wade. Meltzer, awarded a minimum score of minus five stars. <sighs> okay. It's the single lowest rated match in WCW history on the Wrestling Observer. And uh, readers of the publication voted it as the worst match of the year. Readers of Professional Wrestling Magazine, here's the throwback for you, Lee, Power Slam, Mm -hmm. cast the same vote. Editor Finn Martin later called it one of the worst matches ever held. And the Standard Times dubbed it the worst match of the decade. Gene Okerlund himself described the contest as a disaster. <laughs> so. What, what are we doing, Dave? Oh, mate. This is going to be one of the ones that really tests us, I think. That particular match. At least the, the, the main event that people were deprived of in 1998 is really good. Like, yeah. it's probably Goldberg's best singles match at his WCW run. 
to this point anyway at least yeah yeah so yeah I have probably made it a miserable new year for you I don't think you're going to want to ring in the new year by watching that for three plus hours but I mean look if it's a choice between that or uh, Mrs. Brown's boys I mean I'll take the pay-per-view it's close though isn't it (laughs) it's never close with Mrs. Brown's boys right everybody (laughs) that is on that note that's our last official days of thunder for 2020 we'll see if we make it back before the new year halloween havoc but you know how things go around the holidays it could slip into right after the new year we will let you know uh on our twitter at wcw thunderpod it'll it'll 100% be day's fault if we do Uh, well yeah i'm gonna get buried for it regardless anyway (laughs) but uh look everybody out there have a merry christmas stay safe uh we'll see you all in 2021 good luck Thanks everyone for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. I'm at the Day to Dave on Twitter, and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past, like the World Cast, through the years in the International House of Combat, to wrestling of the present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story, and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine, and the Truth, and Busting Balls. Subscribe now; you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars